Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cut the Crap Now, where we discuss challenging, touchy, thorny topics with down-to-earth, honest conversation around day-to-day life issues, and always with respect. I'm Jerrell Young, or Jerry if you prefer, certified life coach, leadership speaker, and author, joined by my lovely co-host Lisa Russiano, author, transformational speaker, and former radio and TV show host. Welcome to the show. So, you know, I don't know, oven yeah. and yeah. humidity where you can't breathe. Either either place you can't really breathe, right? Oh. So, oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm out in it three days a week. So it's like, mm, mm. <laughs> I, even bring the, I even bring the golfers in, come in for a minute and feel the air conditioner. And they're like, <laughs> oh my God, that feels so good. You know, their face is like bright red. But anyway. I'm really excited about today. Me too. Yeah, we've got a great new author hit the hit the road and, and she's kicking it and it's taken her a long time to do this. And I'm so proud of her. She's a personal friend of mine, Lainey, Lainey Creeman. She has uh, penciled Princess Warrior in High Heels, Classy Yet Sassy. And I have to tell you, the book is my favorite color, Shocking Pink. And then, of course, she has like high heels on with rhinestones, of course, right up my alley. Lainey, we welcome you to Cut the Crap Now. Hello. So excited that you're here. Yeah, Thank really. I'm glad to be here. We're thrilled that uh, and really proud of you that you you did it. You've been talking about it for years and years and years. And it's like this book is like, dear Lisa, you know, I mean, there's so much of it in there that is so relatable to everybody. And, you know, it's what, what we're calling today is the lies we tell ourselves and you couldn't be more perfect for this conversation. So welcome. We want to just hit, hit it hard. Um, you know, you, you, you were kind enough to give me some ideas about what, what you wanted to go and you start out with control, you know, how controlled you were, And on page 13, you said, we grew up in a controlling, negative, and dysfunctional environment. How were we supposed to know that this wasn't the least bit normal? You want to expand on that just a touch? Uh, Actually, it felt like being in a glass bubble. Yeah. Where everything... I used to tell people it would be easier for me to write down the list of the things that I could do versus the things I couldn't do because everything was a sin to my dad. So unless it involved going to church, going to school, coming home, that was it. I mean, there was no outside activities. There was no, I mean, I had to wear my hair the way he wanted it. I had to wear my clothes the way he wanted it. Everything was the way my dad wanted it. And interestingly enough, maybe in hindsight, I have to forgive him now because maybe God chose him to keep me from getting myself in trouble. (laughs) But... But boy, when I kicked myself out of that shell. <laughs> there was uh, no turning back, huh? There was no turning back. <clears throat> but that's the way it felt. And maybe yeah. I wasn't as isolated or as, as I thought I was. 
because maybe it was the culture then maybe but to me from where i was looking my friends could do to could have fun they could participate in school activities yeah and i felt like that i was all alone i know that i was i was over here somewhere and nobody noticed me and that was not true no because now 45 years later getting ready to celebrate my 45th class reunion i i realize now that i made a difference when i didn't know people were looking yeah and wow. so that you know is worth it all because right. no matter what we do in life someone's watching yeah and, and we are influencing other people when we least expect it yeah, Jerry, you, you're nodding your head so fast. It's mm -hmm. not even funny. Like, you totally relate to it, eh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just when, like you said, when you think that you're not, when someone isn't looking, then you hear later, oh, yeah. Or the time that you reached out to them and you just gave them a smile. Or you just called and said, hey, I'm just checking to see how you're doing. You're thinking, oh, I, I was just doing that out of the kindness of my heart. And then you hear, you have no idea how much that impacted me. Yeah. So, yeah. Or even like leaving what she was saying, you know, like my mom tried to tell me like that mini skirts were in. So we used to take our skirts that came to our knees and roll it up and put a belt on, you know, but mm -hmm. I had to iron my clothes for school on Saturday when everybody was going surfing or going downtown. So control, control was a thing back then. And it kind of, kind of sucked. Mm -hmm. But that's wow. the way we grew up. Then we went into the fear situation where, you know, we were so afraid to talk. We were so afraid to, you nailed it. You've nailed so much as far as fear. It's, you know, it started out with the boy taking for a drive in his car, you know, and you were so happy to see him because you hadn't seen him in such a long time. Why don't you like share with us about some of the fear that you walk through life with? I believe it started really when I was very young, when um, I almost drowned when I was three or four years old. Oh, wow. And my sister, my older sister, fortunately saved my life. Uh, but instead of my dad allowing me to face my giant and teaching me how to swim, he kept me from that. Wow. So it, it developed at a very young age, that subconscious fear of my life being taken. But then to bring out the point that you're talking about, um, you know, when you're 16 years old, the uh, hormones are raging, you know, puppy love, you think you found the one, yeah. it's all, it's all butterflies and uh, fireworks. And of course, my dad wouldn't let me date. That was another thing. It was, you're never going to date until you get out of high school. And, but this particular guy I had known since I was three or four years old. And we had known each other our whole life. And then, of course, 16, 18 was like a match made in heaven, right? And my dad trusted him because he knew his family, known him all his life. And what's the first thing that happens is, you know, he gets that opportunity to take me out and there you go. You know, the hormones raging and the next thing you know, you're in the back seat of the car and, and 
you know, the Holy Spirit begins to come down hard on me about what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I knew it was wrong. I knew that I shouldn't be there, but I, I couldn't over, I, I didn't have the power to, to overcome it because I was insecure and I was not old enough or strong enough to overcome it. But then it was the, the wrath of my dad. Mm-hmm. What if he found out? Whoa, oh my gosh, it was going to be, you know, hell coming down from heaven on me because I would be the one to blame. And that's the way I felt. So I hid that so down deep in my soul for all the years. My dad, bless his soul, went to his grave and I never told him. Never told him because I was afraid. Very smart. Well, he can't put you on restriction now. You can tell him now. (laughs) There's that. There is that. I don't know. He might. (laughs) He might have. So, Lainey, there are so many different powerful things that you said in your book. One of the things um, that really struck me was on page 18 from part one, where you had talked about the scenario of eating the turnip greens. (laughs) (laughs) And you were like, I love collards, but turnips, for whatever reason, not a fan. But what you said was that whole scenario of your father saying, then fine, go outside and you're sitting outside. And then he even forgot that you were outside. And then he asked you, well, where's Elaine? And then he found you and then you came back in and he asked you again, do you want to? So he's asking, he's giving you the option. And he said, either you can eat it or you can go upstairs. And you're like, well, I'm going upstairs or I'm going to my room. And then he spanked you. And you said what you thought that that created in you was what it did do was create an unhealthy dialogue in my subconscious that made me believe that if I didn't make the right choice to please someone else, I would be punished. I felt that internalizing this belief led me to establish and master my people pleasing skills. Girl, talk to us. Uh, That was powerful. Well, it's the truth because I mean, I think it, I think in terms of Hollywood actors, I mean, can you imagine how they distinguish real from their part, the, their role that they're playing? Uh, because it, I felt the same way. It was much easier for me to determine what was going to make someone else happy than make my choice of what I wanted because I didn't know what I wanted. I was controlled my whole life. I was never given the opportunity to define myself, to get to know myself and to even know what I liked and what I didn't like. I knew I liked collards versus turnips. (laughs) 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 But, but, you know, role in life or uh, anything else that I wanted to choose about my personality or whatever, I didn't get that choice. I was told I was going to be a secretary. Uh, you know, I was told I was going to marry a landmark missionary, conservative, feet-washing Baptist. Uh, I, it was all of these, this little criteria in a box that I had to check off. Never got to experience and explore who I really wanted to be. So my life was much easier when I pleased everyone else. It it was stressful nonetheless, because I was going against what I wanted sometimes, 
didn't want to do things that I did, but if it kept peace, and let me just interject something here. Keeping the peace does not make one a peacemaker. Right, right. It does not make you a peacemaker by trying to keep the peace. That's good. A peacemaker. Tell us us why. Unpack that for us. That's good. A peacemaker is someone who can come with an open mind to listen to both sides of a situation and still agree to be friends, even though you may disagree. I mean, that's peace because to have that peace in your soul, knowing that you've allowed yourself to speak your peace, so to speak. Uh, I learned, I, I've learned that, that it's okay for me to have a different opinion than someone else. It's okay. But we can still be friends and still and, and disagree. We may not have the same opinion. But wouldn't life be so boring if we were all identical and we all thought the same? I mean, life would be so boring. And I say to myself, if God wanted us to be robots, he would have made us with a remote control. And 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 you know, <laughs> we'd have been little puppets on a string. There is one of the <laughs> there was a, a saying that I just posted on Facebook that says, I am not the kind of person that you can control. I want someone that can look at me and say, while I do my thing and say, that's my girl. Nobody's mm. going to control me anymore. Mm. If God doesn't tell me to do it and I don't want to do it, then you're not going to control me. <laughs> that's just the way it is. Now, it. God tells me, I'm picking up my bag and I'm getting on the train. I think the peacemakers um, end up sick because we're just trying so hard to just keep everything, you know? And I think the older that we get, I, I really like, you know, like what you're saying, you know, we, we just have to, especially today. I mean, in the world we live in now, my gosh, if you say the wrong thing, you're going to get crucified, you know? So it's just, it to me, it's like, it's so much easier to just be able to talk and listen and, you know, just let it go because there's, we're never going to be on the same page. You know, I mean, you and I, you and I go back a long time and there's been times that we just kind of looked at each other and there were daggers going between you and I, because of a situation that you may talk about later on in the, in the show about this person who was just full of venom and she, had you and I go up against each other and the way we dealt with it was just so beautiful. So it's like, even though we were both put in situations that she wanted to make things awful, we we respected and loved each other enough because I wanted to be jealous over you and you wanted to be jealous over me and we wanted to, you know, the craziness that goes on. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that goes in, into the insecurities because we don't want to be played with because we are who we are. We're very, very beautiful, strong women, all three of us. And it's, it doesn't mean power to the women. Let's burn our bras. You know, it's, we know who we are. We know who we are. And everything that we went through, everything that you went through and in, 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 in sharing your life and your private, private 
you know, feelings and emotions and what you went through with your son, you know, it's like to be able to be so transparent is just, mm -hmm. it's overwhelming. And, and the insecurities that you felt during that time. Yeah. Trying to make these decisions of, should he stay with you? Should he go with his father? I mean, that whole thing, I would have had a heart attack because there was no way I would let my son go. And I'm reading this, I'm going, dang, this yeah. girl, this girl. So we could talk about that, you know, about that step into, you know, feeling that you knew you had to trust God in the decisions that you were making with your son. That's pretty intense. I don't know if you'll recall in the beginning of the book when I prayed specifically for a child. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've always felt that my son is my God child. Yeah. Because we oftentimes when we pray, we don't know what to say. And it's as my, uh, as I started writing my story and going through my journey, I realized that the specific prayers that I prayed to God in detail were answered specifically in the detail. So I have, because of that, I have trusted God with my life, even with all of my stupidity. And he did factor that into our life uh, when he put a calling on us. He factored in all the stupid things that we would do. Um, and he still has a plan. But when it came to my son, I was, I always felt that I was the wishbone, that he was the only child and he was playing me against his father. And it wasn't necessarily him, but he was being brainwashed and he was being told things. And when I relate to how I was at 16, my son was no different. He was a kid. He didn't know any better. He was trying to keep peace with both of his parents. And it was very difficult for him. So I had to be the bigger person. I had to let go of what I wanted. I had to let go of what my selfish pride wanted to do. And I had to allow him to go on his journey. I had to allow him to experience what he needed to experience. And today he is the most incredible man that I am so grateful and so thankful God chose me to be his mom. I was, I was sort of a little hesitant when he read my book because I didn't ask his permission. <laughs> I didn't ask his permission about anything that I was writing in, in my book, but you know what he said to me? He said, mom, you have inspired me. Wow. And I'm, I was like, okay. And he said, you, the way you wrote your story made me think about life in general is not like a little checkbox. He said, the old saying, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Right. He said, when life gives you lemons, you portrayed make orange juice. 
You don't have to be in a box. <laughs> when life throws you lemons, make orange juice, make whatever you want to make. You get mm -hmm. to choose. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so profound that here I am afraid of, that he's going to call me up and, you know, mom, why'd you say that for? Yeah. Instead, I inspired him. And I believe it's making our relationship so much stronger because now that he has two children of his own, can right. relate now. And reading my story in a whole versus little memories of what he might have remembered isolated as a kid, he can now see what I was feeling. He can now relate to how it made me feel instead of just being a bratty kid. Mm -hmm. And I did apologize to him one time. I, I, I told him that I, I'm sorry for the mistakes that I made and, and I wish that I had done better. And he said, mom, you don't need to apologize. He said, I should be apologizing to you for being such a brat. Wow. That's, that's pretty amazing. So I feel that I did something right. <laughs> In spite of the choices I felt like were difficult, I feel like I did something right. Well, you know, a lot of, I, I know we haven't, you know, focused in on what it was. You let him go be with his father in another state. Most women would have said, oh, hell to the no. No, 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 no. You can have him, you know, two weeks during the summer, but you actually let him go for a year. That's mm -hmm. really commendable because I would have never done it. I'll tell you that right now. So <clears throat> kudos to you. And moms needed to hear that. So talk to me about, or talk to us about how did you do that? How, how were you able to let him go? Uh, well, it's, it was very difficult because my ex-husband was a bully and he continually thought he was in control. Again, there's that control factor. Uh, I just prayed and prayed and asked God to give me the strength. It was only God's strength that allowed me to make that choice. And interestingly enough, how it all sort of played out was he wanted custody. I mean, he demanded custody. There was no way in hell I was giving up that. I yeah. might have allowed him to go stay for a year, but there was no way in hell I was giving up custody because that was my yeah. power. Yeah. That gave me the power to make the decision at any time I needed to make the decision. But interestingly enough, even though I let him go guess who got the calls at three o'clock in the morning when the truck got stuck in the woods mama i'm like what are you calling me for <laughs> i'm in tampa you in alabama what do you that what do you think i'm gonna do but guess what mom gets on the phone and gets out the triple a card and calls triple a in alabama but guess what he was afraid to tell his dad because he was afraid he was going to get beat because he mm. dug a hole in the, in the hunting land. Now, isn't that something? Wow. But it was, it was, it was something he had to experience. And all I can say to moms out there 
who may have that same situation and that same scenario is never give up your custody, but allow your child. They don't have what it takes to take care of themselves. They need to know that someone's going to be there for them. And so I had to show my son, I will always be here. I don't care what you do. I don't care how many times you call me. I don't care how many trips I make. I will always be here. <coughs> that's exactly the reason why I'm in Uly, Florida today and uprooted myself and bought a house with a 30-year mortgage to be four houses down from my son and my grandchildren because I will always be there for my kid. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Man. Man, oh man, oh man. Wow. You want to talk about people pleasing. That seems to be your subject, Chair. So why don't mm -hmm. you why don't you talk to her about mm -hmm. that? Because that's intriguing to you. It's very intriguing to me. So one of the quotes that you have um for starting in part two, you say, love creates an us without destroying a me. So talk to me about how did you get to the place of with the control and then that led to the people pleasing and then thinking that if you didn't do it in a correct manner with pleasing whomever, that it was going to lead to punishment and then to having the victory that you talked about where you had talked about at one point where you were in an apartment and then there was a house that was for sale and you were able to purchase the house and just all of that emotional growth. Like walk us through that. Ooh. I mean, I look back now and I think only God. Yeah. Only God, only God. Um, my people pleasing skills uh, really took me into a form of addiction. And I know when you think of addiction, you think of drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever. Mine became my work because I felt like I never got my affirmation from the people that were supposed to love me. So if I performed on my job or if I performed with volunteer work or at the church or wherever I could get affirmation, mm -hmm. that became my addiction. Mm. I, I craved affirmation because I wasn't getting it from the people that I needed to get it from. How many women have been married to what, who is supposed to be the love of their life and never get any kind of an affirmation that they are loved, that they're adored, that mm -hmm. they're wanted. That's all I ever wanted. Yeah. I, I probably could be the most difficult person in the world but the easiest person in the world to please because I'm a words of affirmation and a quality time. That's my love language. And all I need are words. You don't have to buy me flowers. You don't have to buy me gifts. Give me a compliment. Come on. Just give me words. That is the cheapest, easiest thing that you can <laughs> do. And all I got was you're the stupidest person I've ever met. You whore, you, you know, every critical thing that I could be told, you're fat, you're ugly, you got a big nose, you got buck teeth, 
all these things that subconsciously made me feel that I wasn't enough, that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't beautiful, that I was that I wasn't anything. But through my transformation, and it took a lot of healing because I had to dig way down deep. I mean, can you imagine after 40 something years from the guy who took my virginity at 16 that I had never told a soul about that I put pushed down and the last part of my transformation I I asked God I'm sitting in my office and I'm praying I'm like Lord what is blocking me there's something else blocking me I've done everything you've asked me to do I've called people that I really didn't want to talk to I've I have forgiven my dad. I have for, I have forgiven my ex-husband. I've forgiven all these people, but I still feel like there's something blocking me. Mm-hmm. And it was like, he just took this megaphone and spoke right in my ear and called out the person's name and like, nope, not going to do it. Wow. Not going to do it. And he just spoke to me and said, well, if you don't know what want to know the answer, don't ask me the question. <laughs> that's a word that's a word (laughs) and I said okay God I'm trusting you I'll do it I will do whatever it takes to to free myself from my past from everything that has blocked me and held me back and girls let me tell you it was the hardest thing I ever did but it was the best thing that could have ever happened it was sort of like the icing on the cake uh, unfortunately for that person, they're thinking that I might still be available and he might get his happily ever after. Uh-uh, no way. You had your chance more than once. You no. chose to kick me to the curb when you had the best thing that ever happened. You think you're going to get me now? <laughs> no, I'm on for something fresh and new, girls. I'm on for something fresh and new. I don't want something old, you know, that might be, that might be, in, you know, something borrowed, something blue, something old, something new. I don't want nothing old. <laughs> Come on. Oh my gosh. I'll let you, I'll let you laugh, Jerry, because I can't, but um, I know, I'm trying not to, because I know I'm going to start coughing. <laughs> but But Mm. let me just say, there is freedom. There is freedom and letting go. Just letting go of all the past, of all the hurt, of all the pain. It wasn't easy at times. It was not easy, but it was so worth it. So worth it. And um, I, I catch myself every now and then wanting to, please. But I've come a long way in saying, I mean, just like my sweet pea here, (laughs) I tried to get out of this so bad. I was like, I can't do this. And then she's like, why not? But, uh, but I'm glad that I did sweet pea. Yes. And I just want you to know, I just want you to know that speaking of what you said earlier, the moment I met you, Lisa, you were who I aspired to be. Wow. You were everything I ever wanted to be. 
And I'm getting close. I'm getting close to catching up with you, girl. But you're right, um, you're right beside me now, baby. You you've come. You know, we both have been through so much, and we we've made it through. I mean, you know, the trials and tribulations you have been through, and how you've overcome it. And you know, we we know the deepest, deepest, deepest in both of us. And it's so beautiful to see you actually pen it because it's to be able to put it in words. You can never take it back, Lainey. You can never hide any of this now because it's there forever. And there's going to be people that are going to be like, who does she think she is? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm Lainey Creeman. That's who I am. And this and is I'm my a princess story. Or you're in high heels. <laughs> yes, you are a princess in high heels, but it, it's like, you know, you, you, you talked about, your transformation and you said it consisted of seeking god counseling forgiveness life coach learning to love yourself that's one of the hardest things that you know because of uh, of that and i want to i want to i want to talk about it because you you say women's insecurities manifest in two disparate sets of traits mousy and needy con controlling and demanding i mean bingo we're either a mousy and needy or controlling and demanding. And, and where's the middle of the road there? And, and that's the thing that women need to look at. It's like, you don't have to be a sounding board and you don't have to be, this is the way we're doing it. There is a middle of the road in all relationships. And I think as we get older, dude, find them, find what is that, that place in your life where you 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 just want to be happy with the man you're with you know everybody changes as we get older and it's kind of sometimes hard especially when there's all these young ones walking around you know and you just go oh you know but then you realize you're, you're with this person you know but it's it, it's that it's the fact that you know god sometimes gives us the desires of our heart in a mystical way versus the way we envision sometimes we look at our dreams and desires through rose-colored glasses, and we fail to see that God is already fulfilling them <clears throat> in his way instead of our way, and we're too blind to see it. Then it says, what makes us come alive? God gave us three core desires. What are they? To be romanced, to be in an adventure. A beauty to unveil. And a beauty to unveil. And, and I, I have to say that that is true. You know, men make us feel like we're asking so much of them. But guess what? God created us that way. He created us to have that desire to be romanced, mm -hmm. to want to be in an adventure and to have a beauty to unveil. And it's interesting that you bring those points out because I didn't even realize till much later on as I was reading my final version that before I even knew those three things existed, I asked myself those three questions about what was missing in my first marriage. And I'm like, wow, is that not so significant that I was asking myself those exact questions before I even knew that that existed. But I felt like those were things missing in my marriage. God put them there because that's what he created 
the beauty and sanctity of marriage for is to bring a man and a woman together to become one and to fulfill each other in ways that the other cannot be fulfilled. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, I just hope one day I get to experience it. Just one day. You and <laughs> come on, come on, come on. I like, uh, I like how you like, you know, we need to uh, finish this up, but never give up hope. You know, mm -hmm. there's so many of us right now feeling hopeless and that we have no clue where life is going to take us. And we're on this roller coaster that, you know, Jerry has, Jerry has been by my side th through craziness and has pulled me through it as, you know, you have as well. Two different, two different aspects of it, but both needed and warranted and helpful. So, you know, I kudos to the both of you for being the beautiful women that you are that you know we just need to find people who understand even though you haven't gone through it just be there and and love the person and you know you can make suggestions or you can not whatever or you can just take 14 paragraphs and turn them into six words <laughs> <laughs> we always feel like we got to keep going and going and going and i don't want to be seen as a complicated person because i'm not really complicated especially at this time in my life i'm done with that you're done with it jerry's done with it let's just like oh, wait hold, hold, hold up what i, I don't know that i'm done with complicated you're what you, you i don't like know that i'm done with complicated yet well, i don't know well we're okay we'll just pretend i'm taking <laughs> We none of not complicated. I, I mean, we can be absolutely we can be, you know, but basically in our lives, you know, we want to have fun. Girls just want to have fun. No, it's I'm done with all this insanity. Don't put me down. Don't talk smack to me because I'm done with that. I've heard I've, ha I've heard it my whole life. A lot of women have heard it their whole life. We're done with it. We just want to. We want to be romance. We want to be told we're beautiful. We want to, you know, you know, and it's hard because people have been bruised. You've been bruised to the core, but yet you pulled yourself out of it and you're still on a journey. Jerry's still on a journey. I'm still on a journey and we're not going to give up because you know why? We're warriors in high heels. That's right, girl. I want to thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you for spending this time with us. You want to tell us how we can get your book, please? You can go to amazon.com and look up Princess Warrior in High Heels or Lainey Creeman, and it will pop right up. And, and I appreciate your support. It. Why don't you spell your name and your, yeah, your first and last name. Spell it for him. Lainey, L-A-N-N-I-E, Creeman, K-R-E-M-I-N. Okay. Jerry, would you like to finish out, please? Thank you so much again for being on the show. We're just tickled, 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 tickled um, and walking us through your journey, allowing us to kind of step into it, to be able to just let us know that there is hope. That okay. was the thing that I got the most out of all that you had been through is there's hope. There's always hope. Always, always, always hope. So thank you so much, Lainey, for joining us. We appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed being here.
is Lisa. And Gerald or Jerry, if you prefer. We're so grateful that you're listening to our podcast where talk is real, no holding back. So look for Cut the Crap now. Every week where topics are encouraging, funny, and so freaking real. You can you, you can find us weekly on iHeartRadio, Apple Pod, Amazon Music, and Spotify. See you next time. See you there. Welcome to the part of our show called Did You Know? Where we share interesting, sometimes surprising uses. Yep, you guessed it. More crap. Did you know when the German army occupied Northern Africa during World War II, many soldiers suffered terribly from dysentery, but residents of the area seemed to take it in stride. Okay. So the Germans found that as soon as the first symptoms of dysentery were noticed, the locals followed a camel. Yes, a camel. And collected its poop as soon as it dropped. Then they ate it. Okay. It cured the dysentery, but only if it was fresh. The secret was the beneficial bacteria, which is Bacillus subtilis in the camel dung, which aided digestion and crowded out diseased bacteria. You can imagine the horror of the fastidious Germans when they discovered what the cure was. Still, it was better than dying. I'm not sure about that. So that's your did you know poop story of the day. Thank you everyone for joining us for this week's episode on Cut the Crap Now. Please leave comments and your messages so we may include them for future episodes. Also check out the show's links for additional resources. We are so excited to have you join us. Thank you again. And until next time, cut the crap now.